Yeah, snappity, crappity. What uh, what are what are we drinking over there? Uh, we've got a a new Belgian the a the Agent seventy seven uh IPA. Um, I'm an IPA head, as you as you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what do you what are you sipping on there, bud? I got I got myself a little industrial arts uh torque wrench. Which Ooh. is a hazy double IPA. What an appropriate beverage yes. for, yeah. for for yeah. the day. Well uh, slightly more than uh the the French seventy five that the, the <laughs> missus made made for me. Oh wow, look at you are you are also, a sophisticant. Also lovely, but uh I'll save that for uh, for for Monaco. There we go. Ah, yes, yes, as you should, as you should. Some something to celebrate the Monogast. Uh, well, let's uh, let, let's let's hop into it here. Welcome to the F One Files, folks. This is the F One Podcast. Uh, hosted by just a couple of chuckleheads, we are we. I I am one of them. My name is Corey Willis. I am an improviser, writer, and comedian based in Los Angeles, California. Who are you? Uh, you know, for episode seventeen, we haven't gotten very good at uh, at this uh, diving diving right into it. This no, is uh, what, no. what is this here? This is a uh, this is a uh, this is an F one podcast. Uh, my name's John Lapore. Uh, That's and right. I'm, uh, I'm so happy to be here with you, Corey. We've got a wonderful race to uh, to discuss. What truly uh, an incredible race this was! I mean, should, should we just should we just dive right into it? Oh, uh, yeah, I feel like we have to. But first, we got we got to rate this. We got to put this on our uh, race weekend scale. Um, mm-hmm. would you like me to, uh, consult the Rolodex? I had, I had a couple of, uh, a couple earmarked, uh, scales Please, please here, go, but... go, go right ahead. What are we, uh, how, me... how are we calibrating the F1 files o meter this week? Well, I feel like, uh, an appropriate way to, uh, approach it would be through the food spectrum. And, uh, since it was the, the, the Barcelona, uh, Catalonia, uh, Grand Prix, uh, known for their amazing food, um, so I figured let's go with ah mm, uh, the the rating one of the greatest most accessible scales we have in this in this Rolodex, which is the the ham scale. Uh, this is the ham wow. scale. Uh, wow! Wow! Since, wow! Wow! You know, since we are in 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 Spain, uh, let's go with ham. So we've got uh, the 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 cream of the crop here, which would be just like the most perfectly uh, thinly sliced ham, just like straight up ham off the bone like they do there, like a cured ham, like almost like a prosciutto that they do. I can't remember the exact name uh, of this ham. Have you had this ham before, John? There is. So uh, I, I know there's all different kinds of, uh, of hamon. Uh, yes, he's got hamon, the, hamon. The, the, uh, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it horribly, but the Serrano or even the Iberico uh, style. I think it's, it's the Iberico. It's very, yeah. It's, it's very Prejutesque. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, uh, I think so that sounds. That's, that's like a 10 on the scale. 
Uh, and then all the way down to just like when you go camping, just when you reach into the bottom of your of your rucksack, the bottom of your camping bag, maybe even it's like tucked away in some weird like it made its way into your sleeping bag uh, roll. Uh, it's just like an old, never going to expire tin of spam, just like the the easiest, most saltiest, reduced, shittiest version of ham possible, really. Um, so yeah, what, what would you say this, this race weekend was rated between Serrano ham and spam? Where, where did it fall on the scale? Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm tempted to jump straight into being a, a New Jerseyan as I am. I'm tempted Mm. to jump straight into, uh, Taylor ham right off the bat, which is, which is commonly found in a breakfast sandwich, but that might still, that might not be high enough of quality. I love me some Taylor ham in a nice egg cheese and Taylor ham, mm. uh, you know, uh, AKA pork roll, uh, in a, in a little breakfast, Sammy, but I'm going to, I'm going to step it up a little bit. I'm going to say this was, it, it wasn't full on Spanish prosciutto esque ham, but I'm going to say this was like the nicest, honey glazed ham that mm. you that you that you would pull out for for a a, a nice uh holiday uh, holiday meal for the whole family you know Got this it. could be like a, an it. easter ham maybe maybe even a christmas ham if you will uh, but a good I holiday a, ham yeah good holiday ham um there's you know it's it's really juicy in certain areas the crust is still a little tough and rough and you kind of find yourself eating around mm-hmm. some of the the edges of it if you will fair point a couple fair spots point. that weren't as uh uh full of substance and uh i don't know this this ham was definitely marbled with a few surprises uh, let me, you know, there's, there's some, some extra spices that popped up throughout. Uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a solid, solid, uh, solid slice of ham for, for my, my Sunday morning. Corey, what did you think of the, of the race? Where, nice. where did it ra- uh, rank on the hamometer? Uh, I like the, the solid slice of, uh, of holiday ham on a Sunday morning is, is mm-hmm. just, that's just a good, that's, that's a good start your day off right right um i'd say uh for me we're we're getting into uh chorizo territory uh i'd hmm. say for me it was it was something that was was unexpected uh something that i think came a little bit uh uh for me personally uh i i i I do not partake in in the ham as as much and as often as as most people but uh, I have had chorizo uh, overseas and have had uh, a couple of samplings around here on the West Coast. And it is just one of those hams that you're like, oh, wow, this is like a good, it's like a good spicy thing. But I don't know if I could handle it every single time for every single meal. Uh, every time <laughs> I like get into ham, it might be a bit much. Um but I, I thought it was a great weekend. I thought just uh, in general, the the ramp up to it, the the malaise that F one was left in after uh, Miami yep. uh, dissipated quite nicely over not having that race weekend, having Charles 
uh, crash out uh, at the historic race uh, in yep. Monaco um, with just some some very ominous um, ominous uh, uh, overtones of like his yeah. His, uh, his not his weekend to come, but uh, his history at that circuit, and then this weekend kind of ooh did not work out uh, as well as Charles would have hoped. Uh, so that was a bit uh, a, a a bit tricky, a bit tricky for our guy. Uh, I'd say, um, but yeah, I, I thought that this 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 weekend was incredible. Uh, it was exactly what new fans to the sport. I think this was one of those things that like, if you just started watching F1 this weekend fully had everything that you would want uh, in a race weekend to be like, Oh, this really is an interesting sport. This really, there are a lot of things at play and at stake here. And it's more than just one narrative of there's a world champion or a world championship winning team. Uh, yeah, for sure. Cool. And I mean, it wasn't even the the most exciting race that we've had of the season so no. far, yet it still just sort of like struck me like I think there was something about my 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 fresh cold brew that I had just poured myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I was turning the race on, just hit me just right. And the race had a number of my favorite things. We had uh people uh we had the 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 some of the best racers fighting with each other for podium yeah. positions we had uh furious max verstappen on the radio uh yeah. we had yeah. a point where where i shouted carlito no at I the tv too. screen I, to I to, did too. <laughs> to which to which point I, immediately my my son immediately echoed it back to me and for oh. you know, the first few hours of sunday just threw a couple extra carlito knows you, uh, you into the you're, mix. you're doing carlos carlos signs junior you are are permanently uh, you are you are permanently gouging this memory into uh, into a young race fan's uh, uh, memory. Uh, That's it. It is it is, it is happening. Yeah, this is this is uh, something that 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 little guy will never forget. Uh, because yep. unfortunately, I think we will be yelling it again over the course of this season. <laughs> I feel like uh, it's just it's yeah, become I feel a like theme. It's- I'm 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 almost comfortable with it. Like I'm almost comfortable saying like this is just going to be the the almost thing. Like, like I'm I'm convinced it? that like yeah I'm convinced that Carlito is permanently for the rest of his life just going to be like doing that thing where he sticks his lower lip out enough to be able to blow the hair up out of his face when he's frustrated, you know, yes. or defeated. Yes. I guess he has to that, have those uh, moments. Uh, yeah. He has to maintain at least one of those moments per race weekend, uh, yep. and he had a couple of them. He had a couple of them. Uh, but but let's uh, let let's start out with with the 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 practice sessions and like the upgrades because this was uh, touted as and then paid off um, as being one of the biggest uh, upgrades and update weekends. Uh, of the of the season uh it, mm-hmm. we, we're now seeing it be a development race we have uh, the, the the immediate one of the things that popped out first was uh 
echoings of the tracing point of the pink Mercedes. We had uh, Aston Martin uh, mm-hmm. doing it again. I mean, all I could think of was was Jeff Goldblum uh in uh in jurassic park being like oh you son of a bitch you did it um uh, <laughs> it was like oh my god they they did it they they're they knew what they can get away with and uh and they did it and it's it was almost this is like a troll this is like a professional development troll um for several reasons, right? Because this is like the former technical chief aerodynamicist yeah. under Adrian Newey moved to Aston Martin. And the very next year, uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, look, there's a design that is almost exactly like what Red Bull would put out. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, wa- there was that investigation. Uh, did, you, did you go into this at all? Did you hear about any of this stuff? The the farthest that I got into it was just hearing that the you know the Red Bull team did a, a nice subtle uh, product placement counter troll by busting out whatever the like green colored can flavor of Red Bull is and just I thought that that everyone on the team made sure to have a green can in hand like everyone had one yes uh you know prominently positioned at their you know stations and and whatnot i thought that was a a a really nice little little jab back a nice coordinated team-wide effort like we're all gonna you know hide middle fingers in the class photo type of move yeah yeah uh which is i i think is very appropriate um uh, I, I I also do appreciate that the FIA went into like uh, an immediate investigation on their own and went back and were like, oh yeah, no, these were part of the design specs. This was the alternate design spec that Aston Martin submitted uh, during their initial testing phase. Uh, that mm-hmm. is that is something that is like always nice to know this is why the fia is such a critical and important component of the sport uh and and we we kind of like joked about it a little bit last week with their involvement and some of their rules but this is why i think the fia is so critical as being like this infallible uh organization is they need to be able to go like hey no we are we are doing our due diligence because during the the initial design of these new spec cars, they have to submit these designs to the FIA in order to move forward with their designs. Just like if you were building a house, you would have to have the safety inspector look at the way that you wired the house or the way that you set up plumbing in the house. The FIA mm-hmm. serves as a safety inspector along the way. And because of that record, they can go back and go like, hey, no, sorry, Red Bull. Yeah, Christian, you can shut up. Uh, in fact, this was a design that was submitted along the way. Uh, but now Red Bull and the rest of uh, the, the paddock kind of is looking at Aston Martin as like, wow, you really doubled down on. I mean, it's mostly uh, Stroll. It's it's people looking at, at Lauren Stroll and being like, wow, you really are just going for it. You were shown mm-hmm. what you were allowed to do and you are straight up trolling the rest of the, the paddock. Uh, did backfire on them because they didn't necessarily perform that well. Uh, uh, but it was very interesting to see them roll out this new spec that looked almost identical to the Red Bull uh, on down to like some of like the brake ducting. Like it was like, wow, you guys really, <laughs> you did it. Uh, you you really went for it. 
Um, so I thought that that was that was cool, uh, but also uh, a little bit trolly, and uh, I appreciated that. Um, oh, we had Nick DeVries uh, running in free practice for Williams, uh, and that he came in and immediately started setting times. Like I think he was in like the top ten, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe like eleventh or tenth on uh, on free practice on the session times, and that I mean, Nicholas Latifi is fine. He's uncontroversial, but he is someone who is paid to get into that seat. Nick DeVries is a Mercedes and Williams driver. He has earned a spot in this uh, on this grid, and he proved it in that free practice session where it was just like, Oh, this dude is, if he gets into, uh, any race car, he's immediately good. Uh, and I, I would like to see a multiple world champion, uh, formula E driver end up in a seat in formula one. That would be really, really cool. Uh, especially someone as charming as Nick DeVries. Uh, I thought, I thought that was really cool to see. Him. Um, but then they had, yeah, Yuri Vips was in there for Red Bull, and uh, Robert Kubica was back in there for Alfa Romeo for for some of the the testing drivers uh, and alternate reserve drivers. So why would why would a team bring in Robert Kubica to jump into practice? Is it just so we can like shake off the cobwebs? Is there some sort of insight that they are expecting that their two current drivers wouldn't be able to provide? I think because uh, Robert Kubica was this uh, before he had this horrible accident in uh, in rallying, uh, where basically the 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 steering column of the vehicle uh, impaled him, uh, including his his uh, is it his left hand? Kubica hit a guardrail. Oh, it was the guardrail, right? It wasn't it wasn't the steering column. Yeah, the guardrail went into the car. It didn't exit the car it like spun around like a piece of spaghetti from hell in the interior of the car uh total stuff of nightmares so he made it out of that alive and recovered enough to be able to be a competent formula one driver and like formula one is one of the most demanding uh, sports that you can get yourself into uh, uh let alone when you're involved in it and you have actual physical limitations uh like if you look at like the cutouts on the cars themselves where like you are driving and you're where your hands go like there are cutouts on the bodywork so that your hands can fit perfectly when you have to go into opposite lock uh with the steering wheel so it's like crazy to have someone who is like physically limited uh except Robert Kubica is notoriously brilliant at racecraft and at analysis. Uh, after going into like the simulator and uh, doing lap after lap after lap on the simulator and then correlating that data with what is on track, because a lot of the simulator data is pulled from the Barcelona track, and Robert Kubica being a reserve driver is the one who's been driving that simulator. So he's the one who's been working along with that car's development and now gets to correlate that data with the on-track behavior of that car in that free practice one. So that's why they keep him, not just him, but any reserve driver, uh, but Robert Kubica specifically because he is so adept at 
expressing what the car is doing in the simulator and having that data correlate so perfectly with what ends up happening on track. Uh, he's just notorious for having that ability. Uh, even back to his like early Formula One days pre-accident, that was like a thing that he was really, really good at as a development driver and a testing driver uh, and um, uh, as a Formula One driver. Uh, so it, it was great to have him back. Uh, it was great to see. So yeah, that was like the the free practice one, and then all of like those crazy updates that uh, that were brought in uh, specifically by like Alpha Romeo and McLaren. Those were just like like what were <laughs> did did you did you see all that stuff? Uh, did you get a chance uh, to watch the the tech breakdown of that? No, I was I was more just taken aback with uh, the the Mercedes, you know. Uh, starting to show yeah. some serious promise. Uh, I got a, I got a message from, uh, my, my buddy James, uh, mid midday Friday saying, uh, another promising Friday from the silver dolphins. And I thought oh. that was, uh, that was hilarious. I mean, beautiful silver dolphins, uh, completely <laughs> appropriate and warranted crashing across, uh, crashing across the surface of the track up and down violently Um, god damn it yeah um but they uh mercedes their 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 updates were 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 great uh they they worked quite well but let's just go through real quick uh i just want to go through the list of uh updates that the other teams went through yeah uh, because there's like a bunch i'm not gonna i don't we don't need to get into talking about them but just like it's very funny to hear the different teams on like what they thought was important this weekend. So we had McLaren, one of the biggest teams. Uh, they had a front wing, uh, front suspension, front corner. So like kind of where like the front bit of uh, aerodynamics uh, meet with the side pod, uh, uh, the the Coke bottle engine cover. So like this, the shrink wrapped where you see the logos. Uh, the cooling louvers were updated. They had a rear wing update and a rear corner update. And now this is the rear corner update is like the most important one, I think, for all the teams. It's the the brake duct uh, like vents that you're seeing that you can barely see at all. But this is what's like combating the the porpoising uh, is is what is the way that the aerodynamics are resting uh, around the diffuser and the rear wheels and the the brake package back there. So that's like the corner upgrades that you'll hear about. Uh, the side pod inlet was updated as well. And then the diffuser, which is like that giant cav, uh, cavernous thing on the back of the car when you look at it, uh, that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, where that just looks like it disappears into nothingness. Uh, that's the diffuser. Uh, it's part of those Venturi tunnels. Uh, so that's the McLaren updates, just the McLaren by themselves. Uh, that was their update package. Uh, then we had Aston Martin basically made it look like the Red Bull. Uh, they had uh, yep. side pod inlets uh, moved a little bit uh, higher than the Red Bulls, uh, but still had that like weird steeped thing. Uh, and then the cooling louvers on the back now match the Red Bull but you saw during the race, they had to like slice open the top of the side pods because they were not venting properly. Um, the Alfa Romeo had the most uh, updates as far as like a performance package goes, but they only put it on Valtteri's car, which thank 
goodness, because Guan Yu Zhou's car was retired uh, in the race. But they had a front wing on the Alfa Romeo, front suspension, the engine cover, uh, the floor body itself, uh, the engine uh, cover in the the back uh, for performance, uh, and then reliability. They have like separate engine cover components on one side versus the other because these cars are not symmetrical uh which is kind of cool about them Mm -hmm. Um, they look kind of symmetrical but if you get down into it they're not symmetrical at all if you look at them um uh so then they also had uh cooling louvers that were opened up uh rear suspension and the rear wing uh mercedes had the front wing end plate which made a huge difference and the floor edge they finally adopted those little winglets on the front leading edge of the floor uh and then in the brake uh the rear corner uh was upgraded on that as well as the floor body itself they had like the cool cutouts uh and kind of like a way to displace some of the the vortices that are created Mm -hmm. that suck the car down uh initially it was thought they wanted one continuous vortice along the floor body to seal the floor but it looks like most cars have created like a cutout so there are like multiple little vortexes along those floors uh which like help stabilize them and make the floor not flex when they're at speed or being sucked down uh instead of adding those extra like weird braces um and then they had uh, the Alpine, uh, the rear wing, uh, the front wing end plates, uh, rear corner uh, brake uh, um, uh, inlets were changed and the brake outlets were changed. Uh, but yeah, uh, Fernando had to start from the back. That was yeah. Um, oh. Ferrari had a floor body, a rear corner and a rear wing setup that was to help with their porpoising, which uh, looks like they all but eliminated uh, in in this race. Uh, They had other problems. Uh, Williams had a front wing, a rear wing, and a rear corner, so a a little more basic with them. Um, uh, They took more paint off when they put a new front wing on. It was like, oh, Williams is just going to be a black car by the end of the season, uh, which is very funny. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. With, like, maybe a little red, like, uh, spray paint effect on the back for Alex Albon that they did during practice. Red Bull changed their front wing and the floor body. Uh, there's like that weird little blister in the middle. Again, it kind of breaks up the vortices uh, on them. Uh, the Alphatari had a rear wing upgrade. Uh, and then uh, Haas had no upgrades whatsoever. <laughs> like literally zero. Uh, they just didn't upgrade their car, uh, which good for them. Good for them. God bless. Um, they did quite well in the race other than yeah. almost completely taking out Hamilton. Um, Magnuson had a pretty good race and so did uh, Shumi. Shumi avoided colliding with Vettel again at the late stages. Uh, Almost scored points. He was, John, we almost had Mick Schumacher scoring points this session. I know, I know. I I stood up. We'll we'll see it soon. We'll see it soon. Oh, God, I got so excited. Uh, That was like maybe the most heartbreaking thing was watching Mick not the points this this weekend. Uh, everything else I think I was able to manage as far as like ups and downs, but that was like the one thing where I was like, oh, that this really would have closed the weekend off and like made it perfect for me, mm-hmm. would have been to see Mick score even one point. Uh, happy that Yuki scored a point. It's always nice to see him score a, a, a world championship point, but man, I would have loved to see Mick score his first points, especially in Spain. A Ferrari track 
You know, like he's driving a car that's basically a Ferrari. That <sighs> would have been cool. That would have been really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so those were the updates. Uh, what did you think about uh, the actual races itself, uh, race and the qualifying? What did you think, Johnny? Uh, qualifying didn't blow me away. You know, uh, it wasn't yeah, for me either. as much of a edge of your seat qualifying session. Um, Except for the but, Charles spin in, in Q3. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, I and I, I think that was interesting. I think that was like one of the biggest things that we got out of this weekend was like nobody seemed to know where they stand the people that seemed to flounder or stub their toe really hard ended up recovering unusually well you know i mean charles going from a spin to uh to pole um you know pretty 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 solid um so for me the the getting into the race um one of the biggest stories of the race, I think, was was Lewis Hamilton. Just period. Yeah. Right. And this was, was this was an incredible weekend for Lewis. I, I, it, I was, it was hard to look at this as being like his comeback, but this was truly an incredible weekend. Uh, uh, but yeah, I know. I mean, I I know what I, you're gonna. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was I was I was very very concerned uh, yeah. when he came together with K Mag. And, you know, had a puncture, went in. First of all, first of all, I don't understand why I don't understand why he would start on medium tires. That that made no sense to me. That put him in that position. And that like that sucked. Uh, If he wasn't on medium tires, he wouldn't have been fighting. I assumed it was it was meant to be a wild card strategy move. You know, to try and say, oh, if there's, you know, this is this is the scenario where the oddball, the oddball strategy choice catches everybody else out. But I mean, you know, well, who who knows how it all yeah, really would yeah. have gone? Because he came together with K Mag, got a got a puncture, uh, which I I was, you know, was uh, I was, oh no, that stinks. But then when he came back out and he re-entered the race in nineteenth position not even in last place in 19th position. And he came over the radio and just said like, ah, guys, you know, we, we think like, you know, like basically like he said, he said we could, we could probably save this power unit. Like we should retire the car right now, give up to save the engine, which to me is like, it's a really clear statement of just like, I don't, I don't want to do this right now. I like, yeah. I feel defeated I wanna, or I want to yeah. call in sick right now in this moment. <sighs> yeah. And that, that to me was, that was a huge gut punch. And uh, to me, you know, uh, I think reinforces my lingering concerns that I have just for, you know, Hamilton's fighting spirit in this sport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, justifiably so i think also yeah uh, martin martin brundle uh called it out he was like oh i did not like hearing that like fully said it on the broadcast was yeah. like i did not like hearing that radio communication which is yeah that's tough to hear you do not want to hear uh anyone express that kind of doubt let alone someone like lewis who we know has that like constantly is fighting those seeds of doubt 
and he's openly mm-hmm. admitted to it and openly admitted to struggling with his own mental health and hearing him literally just be like guys maybe we maybe we save save the engine uh but to 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 kind of square that off and maybe save it and put it back into context at the end of the race they did have to back off and start having to lift and coast because yeah. there was engine damage right so and li- this is this is the first time and you can i can kind of maybe i'm doing some like retroactive justification here for lewis or for myself as a lewis fan but maybe lewis was thinking down the road and being like hey this is the first time i've been comfortable driving this car i don't want to just throw away this power unit and this setup because we had a first lap incident and now the car is going to be completely different next time and i'm just starting to get my confidence back right like that mm-hmm. could have been where his perspective was uh at least retroactively looking at it it's like well that i could see that being his perspective being like ah i like this car i finally for the first time i'm actually enjoying driving this car and i don't want to like have to muscle it to the end of a grand prix and then get a car that sucks next time because i like sacrifice this thing maybe not even until the end of the grand prix maybe until lap 10 or lap 40 right uh and then we have to retire it and we just get like decent data but we don't get like this motor or this setup back uh uh or who knows maybe he would have gone off and like the chassis Mm -hmm. would have been damaged so it it may have been him thinking in some like galaxy brained way or maybe i'm like giving him too much uh (laughs) maybe i'm giving him too much credit here um but that that was disheartening to to hear very it's, much so. it's disheartening to hear and i mean the good news is the other side of the story is that he carved his way through the field in the way that the lewis hamilton of old yeah would you would expect him to do yeah you would when when lewis would get you know spun on the first lap of a race you would say well that stinks but this is awesome because we're going to see him you know carve through the field like a laser yeah. beam and he did that he made it to to fifth place i like uh, I he looked, was looking like he was gonna have fourth for yeah. for a little bit yeah and, yeah you know and and that that makes you that makes you wonder all right if he didn't get spun would he have had the same kind of pace and would he have been fighting for first or second place i what, i you know, genuinely believe that he could have he certainly would have been fighting for a podium he may have been fighting for a race win. If his car damaged, still put him where he was. I mean, I have to believe that it once that car started settling in, once it started dropping its fuel load, once those tires came into their own, even if it was on that medium set of tires, like think of how think of how much further he would have gone if he wouldn't wasn't having to battle his way through. On a set and, of and not to mention, he did like, this all without there being a safety car to bunch that all up and, yeah. and make it easier for like, him. This in, is in anywhere along the way. Like this is what he did in Brazil. This is like the kind of pace, the kind of raw pace and talent and ability that he showed. And he does not have that same engine and PU package. Like they don't have that same car. 
and he still showed that kind of championship pace where I mm-hmm. think if he hadn't been spun, I do believe that he would have been at the very least battling for a podium, if not the top step of the podium, because I, I, I can't imagine once he started showing real pace in that car, I can't imagine that George would have been able to stop him from getting past him. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, I know George is great and he's a great defender, but like, there's no way he would have been able to prevent Lewis yeah. from passing him. Uh, yep. Not to mention their teammates. And he's the elder statesman of that team. And if anyone is going to get uh, a freebie, uh, is going to get like a, hey, yeah, go ahead, boss. It's going to be Lewis Hamilton right from George Hamilton, uh, from George, uh, Russell. Like it's not, uh, uh that's right. Uh, George Hamilton from formula is, um, one driver, George <laughs> Hamilton. That's right. Uh, um, the but yeah, tannest uh, driver on the grid, just the tannest, uh, most debonair human being on the planet. Uh, um, so, but- so I, I mean, I, I will say I, I still, my biggest takeaway from the race was that radio communication as far yeah, as it's hard to story that that one really that that kind of haunted me in that oh, in also, that moment Johnny, and so my my te- my internet like conked out immediately after that radio announcement so i was just sitting in silence in my apartment just like no wait why did he wait no he can't oh no and i had to like literally just sit there being like okay um Okay, internet, please restart, restart, restart. And then it restarted. Uh, and I heard Martin Brundle be like, yeah, I didn't like hearing that. And being like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted to hear coming back to the... And then, thankfully, Lewis put on one of the greatest races of his career. Even though it was just ending up with a fifth place result, he fought all the way from the back of the pack after being spun, after having to pit on the first lap when everyone else's tires were starting to like get great, especially everyone was on a soft tire. So on lap two and lap three is when everyone started showing pace. So the fact that he was like all the way back, nearly like a minute behind uh, the leader, it was really tough. Uh, not even a minute behind. He was a minute behind like 10th place uh, at one point. Mm. He was like 55 seconds yep. back, uh, which was just wild. But he did put on one of the best races of his career. Uh, so that was that was great to see. It barely overshadows, barely overshadows that radio communication. Uh, but that that was rough to hear. Um, well, I mean, let's, uh, let's talk about the rest of the race, though. Uh, first of all, can we just... I hate that fucking drone camera angle. I hate it <laughs> so much. I want them to never do it. I saw them start right. to do it in like the media yeah, yeah. in in some of the stuff during testing last year and then now this year they did a bunch more during their car and filming days and car rollouts and shakedowns and I was like, "Okay, well they're not doing it during the races, so I'm okay." And then they did it this weekend. I hate it. I hate it. I want them to get there with the drone cam and the drone cam. Uh, uh, so they do these, uh, there's these like FPV, like basically they're like racing drones. Uh, the guys that pilot them, um, 
wear a headset that like gives VR them the drone's eye view. Yeah, it's yeah. like wearing a, a VR headset. It's like headset real Ghost in the Shell shit. Like, for it's real. Pretty, it's, pretty, yeah. it's pretty wild. Um, there's this guy, Johnny FPV, if you ever look him up. He is the. I think I follow like, him on Instagram. Yeah, think, he's yeah, he's like the Steven yeah. Spielberg of insane racing drone, you know, captures, and yeah. he's been doing a lot with Formula D. Um, yes, and because of the more casual and looser nature of Formula D, what he does is he flies his drone like six or seven feet away from the cars as yes. they are on the track. And it is some of the most incredible and spectacular captures of of footage of any kind. And he'll is, also do tricks where he'll, you know, he'll follow the cars and then he'll go off track and like weave between the branches of a tree or or something and just does this yeah. insane stuff. Uh, s- stuff so wild, uh, I believe there's a, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard the cinematography and it. it was incredible. There's this new Michael Bay movie that came out recently and there's apparently a ton of drone photography that was done by him, uh, by, Is it done the by this ambulance? guy, Johnny. Uh, yes. Ambulance. Uh, it's like him the, and, the uh, and Fred North, uh, the helicopter, the guy who does all like the gnarliest helicopter footage. Yeah. Uh, it's like him and that guy, uh, who are like basically like not cinematographers. They're not DPing it, but they're functioning because they're like piloting drone and piloting helicopters. They're functioning as DPs. Yeah. It's really, really. And so I think there's, I think there's something awesome there. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of technology and, and these sort of ways of like, radically enhancing the broadcast but clearly they've got some very and you know valid concerns about can this thing fly and i was i was watching it first time that came on screen i immediately was like okay i'm watching right now it is not flying above the racing surface no it's not doing that specifically driving you know or it's it's flying off you know off to the side of the track and it's not getting that that it's just not getting close to the action and it has this gopro wide angle style lens that i think is there to make it feel more like a drone cam cuz that you know gives you a sense of speed as to how it's flying but we're still like the cars were just tiny little blurry smudges that it was having a difficult time keeping in frame and like if they're going to do it they should just say hey you know Drivers, are any of you worried about a drone, you know, in an absolute worst case scenario, hitting your helmet? Like it, it can't be that big of a hazard in comparison to everything else that they're already dealing with. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe well, not, you know. Uh, it, it, it is, it is a, it would be a massive hazard uh, if, if it hit them because the, the rate of speed that they're moving at. And even if that drone is moving, in the same direction, they're still hitting it at like a, a very dangerous rate of speed. Uh, but I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that, like, aerodynamically, the wakes that these cars throw yeah, out. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It, it would just can't. It would, it would it obliterate one yeah. of these drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there, it it yeah. resu- it 
it relies entirely on creating downdrafts with rotors. And if there's like intense concussive waves of like of displaced hot air, that thing is going to just fall right to the track and get destroyed by the next thing that that goes by. So, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, I just don't think it's know, a possible be, thing to have. And yeah. because I saw it take the same flight path like four or five different times yeah. during the race, I, I felt like, why don't you just rig up the cable cam over yeah. that corner? Literally, and run just do the that. cable cam, you know, 12 feet off the ground, nice and you close to the cars. Have like a motor driven cable cam that's on like a slacked line right? Like a slacked cable yeah. that would potentially give you some sort of dynamic motion. And then you could yeah. have a gyroscopic camera. I mean, I, even as someone who is not sophisticated enough to know about full camera, uh, uh, tech, I know that you could make a camera with enough tech to put it on a slacked cable to then do a repeated motion. That's basically a dolly move, right? And then just have that gyroscopically locked in or use like a GPS signal from the car to the camera to know when to like swing and rotate the camera. It's absolute. The tech is absolutely there. If I know about it, then the next level is definitely there to make my version of like, oh, that's Corey, you're talking about like the hardest possible way to do it. But it's, you know, but they, I mean, also like there's a moment like when they when they're putting it up on screen it literally said at the top of the screen there was like a little like a little text box live saying drone, drone cam yeah, it's just live, live, live drone. drone yeah which is like yeah live cares, drone dude. cam and it's just it's also like what about the expertly piloted helicopter that's always hovering over one the of racetrack the three you know every weekend piloted you know? helicopters yeah. that are like quite literally locked off and rotating through sector uh assignments like come on y'all side, uh, side note like side note i don't know why i've always been irked by the fact that the broadcast intentionally tries to not show the helicopter to not ever capture the helicopter yeah on camera like as if it's going to break the fourth wall or ruin the illusion like there's some to me there's nothing doper than seeing these cars racing along a track and seeing a helicopter gunning it flying right over them you know like that's a pretty epic 200 miles an hour in like a chase pattern of these cars going up a straightaway and then like ripping off a banked turn. Yeah. Like as people who have gone and seen yeah. this live on track, it's one of the things yeah, that, that you're like, yeah, Whoa, the helicopters doing is... wild stuff the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I get that they don't want to distract from the show of the cars on the ground, but also, yeah, those helicopters are doing some really gnarly shit that is worth yeah, I feel like there's like old like rally footage that you can see or like when they're doing Pikes yes. Peak or whatnot and you'll see the helicopter flying alongside the cliffside tracking with the cars and it's like to me it's just like yeah yeah this oh, is yeah. awesome this is uh um, it's like seeing the Goodyear blimp at a at a football game you know like it's yeah not it's a, like oh know. yeah that right that thing um but yeah. there was also uh I saw another perfect job of the broadcast director i don't remember 
if it was during qualifying or during practice, but it was basically a shot where they had the cable that runs along the pit straight. Uh, and it can either like point at the pit, um, pit lane as the cars are coming out, or it can point down the pit straight and kind of track a car. As yeah, that's a out. cable cam, I believe. Like, yeah. it's so dope. And they had that paired perfectly with an onboard. And I don't remember what car it was, but they basically had like this perfect job where the car came around for a hot lap and like the camera came in reverse down the pit lane and then perfectly rotated. And as it like the cable swung past the car, the broadcast director swapped to the onboard like wing front wing camera of the car. So it like Mm -hmm. added this extra level of dynamic movement And it also like they had the sound synced up. So it was like this perfect moment of cinematography uh, in a broadcast. Again, that was just like, wow, that is an art like that truly whoever set that shot up timed it so perfectly. And I hope that somehow someone is like, hey, dude, great job with that shot. Like phenomenal job with that. Like someone outside of their immediate business is like giving them their flowers because that to me as a spectator, I was like, I felt like I was in motion with this car as it was ripping almost 200 miles an hour down the front straight of Barcelona, Mm -hmm. like really impressive. So let's get back to the race here. We've got Leclerc, uh, who's doing so, so well, he's absolutely crushing it. And uh, uh, and then we see Alonzo uh, pass, make like a beautiful pass on uh, on Seb. And it was like, oh, yeah, victory for the Spanish people. And then the camera immediately yep. cuts to Carlos spinning out in the gravel. And at this time yep. was when I'm sure we both were like, Carlito, no. Carlito, no. <laughs> but then he got going again. Thank God. Darn I just it. found it amazing that that was, that was solely from a crosswind. Yeah. That, that, I mean, because after that, I was like, oh, well, he, there was no damage. He was all by himself. This is not like a boneheaded move. And like, yeah, Leclerc was overcooking his tires when he went off during qualifying. It was a different spot. This is weird. And then Verstappen came in and did the same exact thing, uh, except yep. like he held the slide, luckily for him, yeah. uh, and stayed straight through that ga- uh, gravel. But uh, I was like, what the hell is going on? And then Christian came over the radio and was like, it's a crosswind. That was all that was, was just a crosswind. And you could see Verstappen like feel himself losing it and like try to catch it and then just like be like, oh, I'm not going to catch this. He's such a, he's such a talented driver. He really is watching him make real time course corrections when the car is just not cooperating is just, I've never seen anybody do it that elegantly whether it's in the wet or not also he like passed someone i think it was like turn six uh he ended up like making a pass on someone i think magnuson uh and like martin brundle's like i don't think i've ever seen anyone make a pass there before <laughs> like it was truly yep. like a, like that's not you don't pass a car there that's not where you pass that's impossible uh but for Stappen did it uh and i think brundle was like uh, someone's done it in a, maybe in the wet, maybe, but like, that's not the racing line. You don't pass there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Verstappen did it in the dry for position, which is just like, wow, really, really impressive. He really is an impressive driver, but then, uh, he, I, I can't help but delight in listening to him complain. Uh, so 
when he starts freaking out over the DRS, I was cackling. I was so, so his D his DRS isn't oh. opening on the straight. So and but it was though, Johnny. It was it, well. There was a there was, was a moment where you like, saw it open. Yeah, it, it, that was that was it. It looked like yeah. It looked like it was <laughs> so funny. It like and and to hear him furious screaming over the radio. Yeah, and to hear the team doing like effectively tech support with him. And there was one point I think where he was screaming, like I pressed the button 50 times. And like, somebody was like, try just pressing it once. Try, try pressing Please it just once. Try, try once. Try it when you're not on the curbs. Try it when, you know, you're not in the, in the windy section. Uh, you know, have you turned the DRS off and turned it back on again? And there, like, he's, you yes. know, he's just screaming at them the whole time. It's beautiful. Uh, I, I love there's, that. I can't remember the name of the the show, uh, but it's like this this British comedy. Uh, oh, the the IT crowd. That's what it is. And someone quite yeah. literally yeah. put like I think it was the F one troll account on Instagram just put that like as like Max being like my DRS isn't working, and then it's just a meme of the guy from that like the main character uh, who's mm. like. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Because, yeah, that was, it was just not working. It was just every once in a while would work perfectly and then would not work. And Mm -hmm. there was no way for them to like casually be like, Max, we're sorry. It's just keep trying. Uh, (laughs) uh, Because he would get so close to George. He was getting so close to George. And at the perfect time when George was like clearly beat, yeah, his DRS would not open. And yep. like George would make like a tiny little mistake on the last couple of turns or like at the chicane. Yeah, George George was really squirrely he, that the was, whole time. And I was surprised because I, I could have sworn there was one point race. where like, yeah, I could have sworn there was one point where Martin Brundle was saying like, "Oh, George, he's keeping it clean," and I was like, "No, he's not. He's no, like he's not cooking his tires. He looked like he was greasy as hell, sliding all over the place." Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I love any time that you can see these cars like at the limit, and you can feel just through watching them that they're at the limit. Like that's the yeah. one. That's one of the the things about the sport that I think is sort of hampered uh some of its excitement is that the cars are so stiff and they're so precise that it's really really hard to tell unless you have a very acute eye when they're on the edge and when they are going faster you know yeah than as opposed to slower just by watching them and to see to see george's car squirming on the track like that that put a huge smile on my face yeah that was really really great and to watch watch him do the thing of like be, be the incredible race driver uh who knows he's beat into a corner and being like okay i can fake that i know that i'm not beat and push my opponent to just compromise their line just enough that i am like oops accidentally set up for a perfect overtake in the middle mm-hmm. of the next turn where like the swap back isn't even ready for like you're not even supposed to swap until after that second turn has been made after that long straight and he like made that swap back happened in the middle of the transition of that turn 
and I, like watching watching them in the cool down room afterwards, like all watching that move and like Max being like, oh, that was great. Like really, truly appreciating mm-hmm. being like bested it was really great. And I think that's a, a sign of like it's a little earlier in the season and I think the cars are a lot easier to race and it's not so dangerous and it's not so make or break with every single overtake opportunity where it's like if you get overtaken you can fight back you can get back in there as long as he doesn't get away like a good three or four seconds up the road like you'll have another chance on the next lap right or you'll have another chance in two sectors you'll he may get away in the next sector but by the time he gets away he'll have overcooked his tires and i'll have a way to sneak back right into his wake and get into a slipstream and get him on that next turn right so i think it's I love watching these cars race and I think it's really cool watching George get like all slippery uh, and a little sloppy and a little bit like uh, he was pushing, he was pushing the limit there. Uh, He he was almost moving in the braking zone, like making it very questionable. It was, it was, he was getting to that point of a little bit of, you know, desperation and whatnot. And I mean, Hey, I'm here for it. That's what I want to see. But here's the thing, though, is like watching him defend versus watching Sergio Perez defend, mm-hmm. like you can see the difference. Sergio is so good at defending and making it look so precise and not being yeah. out of sorts at all, not looking desperate, even when he gets overtaken yep. and is setting up that next move. But George kind of showed that he's like, he can be a little bit desperate and he'll maybe make some moves that you would not expect him to make or that you would expect a more seasoned driver. Uh, no offense to George. Like, I'm not a Formula One driver, but like, you know, I, I feel like someone with a little more time under their belt, maybe in a car that's performed a little bit better towards the front of the grid mm-hmm. in a few more Grand Prix would be a little more like, hey, I don't need to be so desperate <laughs> with some of my moves here. It's definitely like reminiscent of Max Verstappen in his early years as a as a as a yep. racing car driver. Yeah. Where it's like there's so much talent in this dude, but like he's gotta be a little bit more patient. Like just a little bit more patient in scenarios. I mean, look at what he him and Valtteri coming together uh in, in Imola, right? Like that was like a George, what are you yep. doing? Settle down, dude. That's your car next year. <laughs> like you know that. What are you what are you doing? Uh so I think George is great, but he was a little bit sloppy. Uh, but it was very. He very was a little sloppy, but I, I I still thought there was a great battle that that went on for a few laps too. Yeah, and yeah. and I thought George did a a pretty solid job of you know there were some times where he's doing the desperate blocking moves, but there was also yeah. the, that one uh, sweeping corner. That they just hung side by side. Oh, that was so through the whole corner, and I thought that was that was spectacular to see. And I thought both of them deserved uh, credit for for doing that dance and not getting yeah. tangled up with each other. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the way the cars are designed this year too. They, they very clearly have worked out how to follow. That yep. said, the- I think the Mercedes. Just by watching the way that like Sergio was having trouble, even with the DRS, I think the Mercedes, the wake that it's throwing off is a little more disruptive some, than some of the other cars. It, it just seems that way. It seems like, or maybe it's just because George is that good uh, at making the car very wide in the corners and being defensive, but it seems as though it, 
some of these other cars, when they're trying to pass the Mercedes, are struggling a little bit more than when they're trying to pass some of the other cars. Just uh, not the Red Bulls and Ferraris, because they're always at the front of the grid. But I'm saying like some of the other cars uh, towards the back, like the Alpines and Aston Martins and Alpha Tauris even. Uh, it's looking like those cars might be a little bit easier to pass than the Mercedes or the easier to follow rather than the, the Mercedes. All right. So, so there's another big story that stems from the battle between Verstappen and Russell. Yes. And that's, uh, that's Sergio just trying, just watching this happen in front of him. Yeah feeling the pace just slowing down in front of him and yeah. and basically just saying like all right listen you guys give me the green light and i will pass both of these cars in front of me no yep. question and, and then he, he was specifically asked not to yep then as soon as they pitted verstappen for new tires it took sergio a lap and a half to get past george Sergio and was not did wrong it in the most like did it in the most like yep. difficult mode way. Yep. Way around the outside. Yep. To get so, around them and, and, uh, and made it look so easy and clean. Like it was a real, yeah. I, I, I think that there may, and I mean, so clean, he was nowhere near him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't even like he didn't have remarkable. to go deep into the into the braking zone. He just like took the corner as he should have. Like he just flew by George and George was blocking even when Verstappen had DRS, he was able to George was still able to defend that first turn. So the mm -hmm. fact that Sergio not only beat him in that first turn but beat him around the outside and beat him before the braking zone was like a hey Y'all need to think about your priorities here. I get that Max is your golden boy, but if Sergio has a better car and he's faster and he's more disciplined, let, stop holding him up. Also, there's the fact that Sergio is less than one race win behind Max Verstappen in the championship points now. The mm -hmm. thing that everyone was worried about happening at Ferrari, I think is going to happen at Red Bull, where we are truly going to see these two drivers who are very good. We are going to watch Sergio just constantly be knocking at the door being like, Hey guys, why are you favoring max? I'm better. I am performing better. I am more consistent. I have shown more allegiance to the team time and time and time again. I don't complain over the radio the way that max does. I show up, I give over my seat during these free practice sessions willingly and don't say that I have a lot of ground to make up and don't do all this weird coded language that all these other drivers do often when they're like the, the subordinate or the junior driver. So I think there there's real trouble brewing. And then also Sergio's last transmission was I'm happy for the team, but we need to speak later. And it was just such an obvious, like, yeah, yep. yeah, you do. Yeah. Everyone knows that you do. Everyone's been thinking about it, Sergio. Everyone's been kind of wondering since you came on, it was like, Hey, Sergio's really good at like taming cars and figuring out how to be good in races. What's going to happen when he's as good as Max and his pace outmatches him. I think we're about to see it, I, especially in Monaco, especially if Sergio can get it together with qualifying. Oh, we're going to see fireworks in that team, the likes of which we haven't seen since maybe 
Mercedes with Nico and and Lewis uh, because that's a team that like isn't necessarily good at hiding their drama and they throw their weight behind. I mean, Helmet and Dieter throw their weight behind Christian and Christian throws his weight behind a very specific driver and they say, good boy, good team effort to the other guy every time. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this for Sergio could even just be triggered by all the praise that he had received, included from mm-hmm. us, about being the world's best wingman, being the world's best, you know, defense. And like, even yeah. in the post-race interviews, you know, someone came up to him and immediately was like, that was some amazing defending you were doing out there and whatnot. And like, it's, it's, it's very much his position to be like, what what about my offense? Are you guys not watching the way that I am storming through and, and, you know, blowing the doors off of people? Like, I I think, uh, I think we're now at that point where it, it definitely feels like Sergio's got something to prove and that'll, that'll make the next sort of, uh, you know, we're heading into the second act of the season. And I think that's going to make things very interesting. Yeah. Especially because the, if we can see Sergio light up this European circuit, uh, it's hard. It's going to be hard to argue that he's a wingman uh, or, or he is the wingman uh, Mm -hmm. of that team. Uh, So let's, uh, let's move on to the sad tragedy of Leclerc retiring. Uh, He retired. He, Mm -hmm. uh, it was so sad. It was so sad to hear that they still don't know. I mean, it's it's still the day of the race, um, uh, 7.30 p.m. Uh, uh, West Coast time, and we still don't have word of of what happened to that Ferrari engine. But it's uh, it it's the bed and <laughs> Charlie had to uh, had to retire. He hugged every single person in the garage. I I thought that was amazing. I thought that was uh, pretty, you know, I mean, again, this dude, uh, he makes this stuff seem so effortless considering that he's fighting for potentially the first position in the World Drivers' Championship. Yeah. He seems so relaxed and so chill. And I mean, obviously, he was upset when it happened. But yeah, seeing him literally everyone in the garage and then even going to the 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 paddock wall and hitting yeah, all the, the key strategy the guys there and whatnot. Watching you know? him like put his hand on the back of his head, like a, like a, like a, a son who just lost, like who just like someone just hit a home run off of him to win like the little league world. So like, it was that kind of like, Oh, that, it, it just hurt my heart to see. I mean, that. to, to make it crystal clear, this is a scenario where many other drivers would be going back into that garage and would be saying, you all let me down so badly. I did everything I could have. Yeah. You know, and and, and the fact that Charles is out there saying like, I know you guys are all kicking yourselves right now. It's cool. I got you. Yeah. We're all, you know, like that. We'll show up next weekend. Yeah. Beautiful gesture. uh, And I think a sign of, of you know another layer of maturity that we're seeing uh from this guy who i still haven't you know i feel like i still haven't quite like figured out who this guy is yet um and yeah so interesting to see um 
and and curious to see how badly it's going to go for him in in his home race oh, in, no. in Monaco. Yeah, folks, we're maybe we're, he's just getting it all out of the system, you know. Yeah, maybe we're he's like, eh, you know, maybe watching Charles have like the exact opposite response uh of just like uh maybe even doing some like uh like some 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 Ayrton uh Senna type behavior when he crashes out either uh in the qualifying or the Grand Prix where he just leaves the circuit and goes back to his hotel room and doesn't right. talk to anyone. Uh and by that I mean leaves his circuit and then goes back to his childhood bedroom and then cries into yeah. his Ferrari race car bed uh, yep. <laughs> that he has uh, overlooking the Mediterranean. Uh, poor kid. Poor Charles, kid. aren't you supposed to be at the race right now? <laughs> Shut up. Where's my Lincoln Park CD? And, uh... Uh, yeah, uh, poor guy. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he can finish a race in Monaco a race for the first time ever he's a a championship contender formula one driver literally never finished a motor race in his hometown uh i feel like he's gotta at this point just be wild just be waiting to get through monaco and then just be like can i just start the season after monaco and see you know where i'm really gonna end up so see, we'll see, we'll see. see. Yeah. get an honest look at my my skills uh take monaco off the calendar um so uh yeah we also had uh guan yu Zhou, or sorry Zhou guan yu uh he retired pretty much right after perez finally got around russell uh we were watching that battle and then it, it flicked to uh Zhou guan yu like walking through the garage and i was like wait yeah. what hold on yeah <laughs> wait what isn't he a driver is he supposed go? to be? <laughs> yeah like like his car is not still like going around right like no one did he like get carjacked like what happened here uh <laughs> no but he's his his car failed there was another reliability issue which got my concerns up for ferrari two ferraris uh uh the bed towards the middle of the grand prix which is scary yep but yeah then uh then then the race continued on and my God, just battles all up and down uh, the the grid, which was great to to see. Uh, continued action, and then watching Lewis charge that last stint was really really fun. And then almost almost broke my heart. Uh, I've I've never like like I felt my heart drop and I started sweating uh, when I heard that uh, when I heard that radio. I was like, wait, was Oh my god, no, that's that was that's that's a that's a current radio. Oh no, oh no, are we gonna watch him like just completely not finish? Literally not finish the race when it was almost uh Mercedes 3-4. But you know what? If he was going to cede a place to anyone, John, I am perfectly happy with it being Carlos Sainz. Perfectly happy with our little Carlito getting the mm-hmm. home fanfare he deserved on that last lap overtaking yep. a Mercedes. Like that, if if ever I am happy to watch a Mercedes get passed, it is by Carlos Sainz in a Ferrari at the Spanish Grand Prix on the last lap. Go for it, Carlos. Get him. Um, very briefly had the wind at his back. Yes. Directly yeah. at the side of the end plate of one of his wings, sending him spinning out of control. Somehow. Uh, yeah. Spitting gravel out uh, from underneath his visor. Anything else from the uh, from from the race at all, Johnny? Anything else from the weekend? 
other than that like dire warning from Perez that there's like trouble on the horizon. <laughs> like, oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh that that was pretty much it for me. I think uh I'm definitely curious to see what happens uh with some of the behind the scenes drama. I think people will be continuing to talk about Checo and his his feelings. Yes through through the next few days and uh we'll see where that sets us up for uh for monaco yeah well let's uh let's ask that question ask and answer the question did uh did f1 stock go up here in the u.s this weekend yeah so i'll say it it went up because we had a really solid race a really entertaining race um but i will also uh bring it up because i was on Friday, I was at my local CVS pharmacy, and as I was exiting, I was breezing past the sort of like newsstand that they have or where they had their newspapers, and they have all the tabloid (laughs) uh, newspapers there. And the Globe, uh, super garbage, you know, tabloid newspaper, the Globe, their enormous cover story is a image of Michelle Obama with right next to her a picture of Barack Obama mm-hmm. and he looks like he's 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 got his lips together as if he's going no <laughs> and she's standing there looking like she's going you know human and uh <laughs> and it says there's a there's a star in the middle of the image, uh, like a, a pointy star or seal that says mm-hmm. $135 million marriage crisis, exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And the enormous headline is Michelle Falls for race car driver, comma, 37. 37. And, uh, and then inset from that is a photograph of Michelle Obama, uh, hugging Lewis Hamilton and then the, the, a, a red box inset from that image with yellow text saying, gotcha. May 7th, <laughs> 2022 Lewis Hamilton. And I thought this was amazing. I'm, I'm kicking myself for not having purchases. I should have bought the, yeah, the, yeah. That's uh, something that should be framed. Um, I took a I took a photo of it just solely just for the purpose of sending to you, uh, but I should have spent the four dollars and ninety nine cents to acquire that that issue of the Globe five dollar uh, newspaper that is full of not true stuff. Amazing. Yeah, full of full of fan fiction. Um, I, I thought that was to me that was a wonderful sign that Amazing. we are positing that. Uh, Michelle Obama is having an affair with Lewis Hamilton. I think that's yeah. great. It's like Bring back it to the, the James Hunt uh, era of uh, tabloids of race car drivers and supermodels and divorce. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say the, the, the stock went way up. If we've got stuff like that in the globe, then um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the stock is, is we're still moonshotting it, right? So, I, and we got Monaco coming up this uh, this next week, which brings yep. even more international fanfare uh we will tr- truly see as if you are a new fan to the sport take in the full weekend of extravagance that is monaco uh there's just like a lot of panache and pageantry that will be happening over the next week uh and especially mm-hmm. leading up to the race itself 
There's literally the Prince of Monaco will be the person who, who gives out the championship trophy. And it's literally on the streets of Monaco. They like step off the racetrack onto like a carpet and the prince steps down and gives you the trophy. Uh, it really is uh, a, a truly uh, ridiculous spectacle. Johnny, mm-hmm. in the meantime, where can folks find you online? Uh, you can hit me up anytime on uh, Twitter. Uh, my handle's at Johnny Motion. Corey, where can the folks find you? You can get at me, uh, burn Corey Burn on all the social medias. And uh, you can also catch us at the F1 Files on Twitter and the F1 Files on Reddit. But uh, until uh, next week, we'll catch up with you on the X1 Files. I said (laughs) I almost got through the whole thing I almost got through it all right the f1 files folks it's the f1 files catch us on the f1 files god damn it ah beautiful beautiful